Hey folks, Drew Zagorski here, and welcome to Venture Boldly, the podcast of the Discover Kalispell Chamber, your go-to source for all you need to know about what's happening in the business and local communities right here in Kalispell in the Flathead Valley. Glacier National Park is one of the area's crown jewels. The rise in tourism, both within and from outside our state, has presented challenges relating to managing and preserving the park's beauty and accessibility. We're having a conversation with Dave Romer, Superintendent of Glacier National Park, about park visitation, the vehicle reservation system, and more. Superintendent Romer is a graduate of Antioch College with a bachelor's degree in environmental communications and of the University of Montana, where he received a master's degree in environmental studies. He began his National Park Service career as an interpretive ranger and biologist at Carlsbad Caverns in Bryce National Canyon Parks. He later worked as the Chief of Resource Management and Science at Redwood National Park and had a similar position at Big Thicket National Preserve. Prior to being named Superintendent of Glacier National Park in the spring of 2022, Superintendent Romer was the Deputy Superintendent at Redwood National and State Parks. He's brought strong experience working with community and tribal partners and external stakeholders to his work here and is a passionate and inclusive leader whose background in park operations and resource management serves him well in overseeing the one million acres that comprise Glacier National Park. So listen in for a minute as we learn a bit about our sponsors, and then I'll be back with my conversation with Superintendent Dave Romer of Glacier National Park. In the fall of 2002, four Flathead River Raft Guides saw an opportunity to make a difference. The group launched Nomad Global Communication Solutions with a simple but important goal, keeping people connected. Two decades later, Nomad GCS builds cutting-edge mobile operation centers for public safety, disaster response, healthcare, telecom, and defense for customers like NASA, FEMA, Verizon, and every branch of the United States military. At Nomad, the world's most advanced mobile operation centers are designed, manufactured, and integrated. One look at the -the state-of-the-art equipment, jaw-dropping projects in progress, and you'll understand why Nomad GCS was voted Best Manufacturer and Runner-Up Best Employer in the Daily Interlakes 2022 Best of Flathead Awards. If you'd like to learn more and work for Nomad GCS, go to nomadgcs.com. If you want connection with other businesses, to be at the heart of the Kalispell and Flathead business community, to support action for creating a vibrant, thriving, growing climate, not just for your business, but for our entire business community, you want to be part of the Kalispell Chamber. As a catalyst for business growth, a convener of business leaders and influencers, and a champion for Kalispell and the entire Flathead community, becoming part of the Kalispell Chamber is an investment in the future of your business and our community. To learn more about becoming a partner of the Chamber, call 406-758-5054. Again, the number's 406-758-5054 or go to kalispellchamber.com. Well, Superintendent Dave Romer, thank you so much for joining me on Venture Boldly today. I really appreciate it. appreciate you taking out some time to have this conversation. I want to just jump in. You know, Glacier National Park, as I mentioned in the intro comments, is is one of the gems of our area and a premier national park in the country as general. And it's right in our own backyard here in the Flathead Valley. In recent years, and especially we saw this over the COVID period, there was just a tremendous growth in visitation to the park. And that led to the implementation of a vehicle reservation system pilot study. Now, this study's in its third year. So what can you tell me about the study? Why are you doing it? What have you seen 
from it so far and why it's important for the future of uh, the park. Yeah, thanks, Drew. Um, uh, you're right. Visitation at Glacier has uh, really grown uh, in uh, about 10 years. It doubled from uh, about one and a half million visitors to three million visitors. And that really put stress on the park and on the park experience. So um, in uh, 2021, we implemented a pilot program, um, a, a study, if you will, to try and manage visitation so that we can maximize visitor access while still protecting resources and protecting the visitor experience, the quality of that experience. So for three years, we've changed the parameters of what we've been doing to try different things. In 2021, we were only managing access on the going to the Sun Road. Uh, and we observed from that year that uh, a lot of pressure was relocating to the North Fork. And so in 2022, we had the North Fork and the going to the Sun Road under managed access. Uh, and, and now in 2023, we're trying to see what we can learn from managing access to um, Many Glacier and to, to Medicine uh, for a shorter period of time. So there's a number of changes that we've been adaptively implementing as we learn from what we see. Um, and what we see is, in, in a sense, meeting our goals. Um, there are fewer unplanned closures to the park, better traffic management, and uh, we hear a more enjoyable park experience during peak season for the people that are able to obtain tickets and make their reservations to the park. So we still are turning uh, back or redirecting people that come to the park without awareness that they had a ticket or trying to see if they could just do it anyway. Um, mm -hmm. And we do still, still experience, it's still, uh, make no mistake, it's still a crowded park but we're doing our best to try and distribute visitation throughout the park in a way that more people can see it and avoid those unplanned closures. Okay, so you kind of talked about some of the changes that you've implemented over this first couple of years of the study. What do you expect for next year, 2024? It's difficult to say. Um, this year is going to be really interesting with managed access at, uh, at, at four different park areas. and. Um, we're, we're hoping that the North Fork experience, which we really heard was, was a success, will be uh, duplicated, those conditions, in many Glacier this year. Uh, we cannot do pilot um, programs and, and studies uh, forever, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so um, at the end of the summer, we'll be crunching the data and going back out to the public for their thoughts, their feedback, and, and their interests as to how the park should be managed. I think that this year is going to be very telling because we've changed the hours of managed access um, from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m., which will allow from 3 p.m. until the rest of the day, there's a lot of daylight here in the summer, mm -hmm. um, opportunities for people to visit the park under, quote unquote, the old system, where you don't need a vehicle reservation and you could just come in. And so I think within each day, uh, we will have a chance to observe, and, and so will the public, the pros and the cons of both systems of managed access. And um, uh, it'll be very telling to see what happens at, at 3 p.m. each day. If it will be too congested, 
um, if if we lead, need to implement unplanned closures. A big part of managed access is, um, I think, the realization that we're, we're managing access no matter what we do. Mm-hmm. So it's managed access with vehicle reservations. It's also managed access if it gets too crowded and we have to close a gate and put a pause on it for the congestion to uh, to unwind. But one version of managed access has some foreseeable outcomes and sort of guarantees for the experience where the other one doesn't. And obviously our choice over the last three years has been trying to provide more of a guaranteed experience for people that plan and arrive uh, versus the, um, the the unplanned managed access, where it's like, oh no, the road is so congested, we can't get the pump trucks down from Logan, we can't get an emergency vehicle up to Logan, um, so we need to swing the gate and wait for things to die down until we open again. <laughs> you know, as you were t- talking about this stuff, it, the 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 image just went into my head of you know going to a shopping mall during the holiday season. Enjoy going there when you got to go get a new pair of pants or whatever during the year. But man, if you got to go get that pair of pants for yourself during the holidays, it ain't much fun because it's just too crowded. There's no place to park. And so that's what you're trying to mitigate. And because this park is in our own backyard, as I mentioned, with with local folks, we kind of feel like a little bit of ownership of it, like it's ours, you know? Of course. And the reality is it's a national park and it belongs to the entire country. So I know we've heard some frustration from people here locally about that and not being able to get in when they want to. What are some of the other pros and cons that you're dealing with in terms of managing a visitor experience? Yeah, well, so the advanced reservations definitely requires people to plan to get into the park. And um, I'll share that that personally, I mean, I I plan my workday to the nth degree. When I'm on vacation, I really prefer to be uh, uh, to let a good weather day happen or do something different at the last minute. I don't like to plan out too much. Mm-hmm. So I, I sympathize with uh, people that are here locally that miss that that freedom of opportunity of going, oh, it's going to be a nice day tomorrow. Let's go to the park. Um, and then feeling like, oh, but we didn't make our reservations three months ago. Um, so in order to do this now, we'll have to get online at eight o'clock in the morning, the day before yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and see if we can get that ticket or go after 3 PM or, or before 6 AM, right? Those conditions are, are really, um, can kind of take some of the enjoyment out of a park visit on the plus side, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping then that the park visits that people do have is not like trying to buy a beanie baby during the uh the the, the mall sure, rush sure, <laughs> sure sure and uh and that 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 visitors won't be jockeying for parking places maybe even getting mean to each other while enjoying their day in the park so i i can share that uh, although the system is far from perfect um Montana residents have been, by and large, successful in, in getting their reservations in advance during the the dates that we've had our ticketed entry uh, advance sales, uh, mm-hmm. February 1st, uh, March 1st, and April 1st. Uh, Montana zip codes represent more than a third overall okay. of advanced reservations. And um, uh, half of those reservations haven't gone on sale yet. Those opportunities will be going 24 hours in advance. 
And one can, I think, safely assume that people that are at least in the state, either visitors or locals that live here, will be receiving the bulk of those uh, those day in advance reservation opportunities. So um, it's it's still possible, I believe, for locals to to visit the park and to enjoy it. Um, I know a lot of people like to do their visits to the park after the season dies down, which a lot of that is weather dependent. We'll see what the fall brings. But, you know, after September 10, the vehicle reservations aren't required at all. So there's okay. still plenty of time to to enjoy Glacier. And, and I'm very glad that people have that that stakeholder interest, that mm-hmm. that love of Glacier. I, I couldn't imagine it any other way. And it's what makes all of my discussions with with people about Glacier so um, so interesting is I know that whatever people might think about the management direction and whether they like this or don't like that, everyone comes from a place of love for this park. It's sure. a truly special thing to have. Have you checked out WorkforceFlathead.com? Workforce Flathead is a collaboration between local education, business, and government partners to connect students, businesses, and employers with each other. WorkforceFlathead.com is a custom-built online home for all things workforce in the Flathead Valley. You'll find business and education resources, jobs and job fair information, links to apprenticeships, and a whole lot more. There's even a library of locally produced career videos, perfect for students and job seekers, to introduce them to career paths in northwest Montana. To learn more, visit WorkforceFlathead.com today. Now, we've been talking about visitors. At the same time, there's an impact on gateway businesses throughout the area, both positive and negative. Talk to me about that. Places like, for example, Paul Bridge. Yeah. So um, one of the things that uh, we realized early on is that people were looking at the North Fork uh, ticketed entry as somehow meaning that they couldn't drive to Polbridge. Um, so we've tried to be really careful in messaging that. <laughs> um, Polbridge is still open. The Merck is still open. Um, uh, thank goodness. And um, and I believe the businesses in the North Fork on the whole were appreciative of managed access, not sending so many people to the North Fork, you know, beyond Polbridge into the into the park up towards Bowman and Kintla, um, that it creates congestion and, um, and dust and, and problems. So sure. people told me the North Fork is more like the North Fork now. And so okay. we kind of see that as a success. You're right to point out though, that, you know, there's lots of other businesses too, that rely upon park visitors visitation. And it's, uh, actually something that the park service and, and Glacier National Park, point to as being one of the values of having a national park in your state is that there are economic benefits that flow to the communities, that there are people that can earn their livelihood doing things that support um, recreation in Glacier National Park. So having a negative impact on those businesses is, is not something that we ever want to do. Planning for sustainable growth and and opportunities around visitation to Glacier is something that we we would like to be able to do. And so one of the impacts I've been hearing from people is that this year, our advanced sales were um, all on one day, rather than a rolling basis, like we'd done it in before. And um, 
that's had an impact on uh, car rentals and hotel bookings. Everyone after, uh, say, April 1st, when they get their glacier tickets, then they go and uh, put together the rest of their trip through lodging and, and car rentals. So we know we're having a ripple effect. And, um, you know, I ask for people's patience with that. It's not our intent to um, to be causing disruption. So those businesses, those businesses provide vital services to visitors. They're our partners. Um, they provide park information the same as we do here in the park to visit people that are traveling here. Yeah. And so it's a voice that I hear a lot from. You know, I... I can't see visitation decreasing, right? So what other tools does Glacier National Park have in a toolbox for managing the visitor experience? Yeah, there are other parks in the national park system that have tried to do different flavors of managed access. For example, right now at Glacier, a vehicle reservation is good for all day. Actually, at going to the Sun Road, it's good for three days. Okay. And... um if there were even more people coming to the park and if we wanted to maximize the number of people that could have a park experience, then one of the answers, one of the tools in our toolbox would be to have, instead of daily entry, um, timed hourly entries. We can distribute visitors even more by the hour than you can by the day. Shorter periods of entry, like from three days to two or one even, would make sense under that scenario. Although we do hear from um, people and the data that we have show that when visitors go to going to the Sun Road, they tend to actually use the road for three days. Um, they don't okay. just want to come and do a one and done. So we're a little right. bit reluctant to go to those tools, but there are things that other parks like Arches and Rocky Mountain and Acadia have done in order to try and, and manage um, visitation and still not turn people away while providing a little bit of a park experience to a greater number of people. Okay. Now, one of those tools for planning a visit uh, that's in the works is a new call center. You receive funding from both the Glacier Country Regional Tourism Commission and the Glacier National Park Conservancy. What can you tell us about this call center? Yeah, uh, physically, they're in Missoula, and uh, we're really glad to have been able to stand this up with uh with partner support from um from the commission and from the conservancy particularly on the advanced sale days on february 1 march 1 april 1 may 1 um their call volume goes up far beyond what we would be able to handle here at the park ourselves and so callers into that system and there have been thousands of them um are getting to talk to uh, a live voice providing park information about uh, options for visiting Glacier. Uh, if they have questions about visiting other areas in uh, Flathead County or Glacier County, then we um, will switch them over to uh, to the tourism board themselves for more information. So I, I think we're doing a really good service for visitors, mm -hmm. certainly helping out the park because the call volume is greater than than we are able to to handle. And you can't get a reservation through that line, but the information is good. And when people get a busy signal, they actually get a message that also has information. And uh, we believe a lot of people are getting their answers, uh, getting answers to their questions through that resource. So we're really okay. glad to, to partner with people and be able to provide that service. Okay. Now, a lot of people will 
eventually go to a call center, but they'll find the call center online. Is there a website for this? Um, the park information uh, website is kind of uh, the best place to go to for that. And um, it sure would be handy if I had that website. Yeah. We'll, we'll, put, we'll, right put, a link. we'll put, we'll a, put link a link in the, link in the resource page. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent idea. Yeah. Yes. That's a great way to get out to, to find answers, including we have uh, an FAQ, um, which often is where I always go to when I'm trying to get to the real scoop. It's like, well, show me the FAQ and, and I'll dig right. in there. Okay. Now there's also construction that's planned this year. What can you tell us about some of the projects that are being completed and some that are still in the works? Yeah, um, this year uh, we're finishing the rehabilitation of going to the Sun Road. Mm. And uh, the last part of that uh, road surfacing project is between Apgar at the western entrance to the park up to uh, Upper Lake McDonald. So um, a lot of that construction is going to have um, up to 30 minute delays for people traveling through there, but it is open. In fact, uh, on May 5th, uh, we'll be open uh, at Apgar for uh, the very popular hiker biker season. A lot of locals come out for that. And uh, it's before the, the vehicle reservation system. So there's, there's nothing you need to do. You just get up in the morning, grab your bicycle and come on over to the park. Okay. Um, after May 5th. Other construction projects this year is that we're working on bridges on the uh, the uh, access to the North Fork. And so there will be some temporary closures, uh, you know, for, for some days around some of those bridges when the major part of that work needs to happen. And then there's also going to be construction up past McDonald Lodge. Um, there is uh, a short spur road that goes out um, around the top of Lake McDonald. And that's going to be closed to the public all summer long while we work on a bridge there. Now, is there, uh, likewise with the call center, is there a site, a page on the parks site that people can go to, to see the latest information about delays and closures? Great. Yeah. Um, on, on our park website, we have a construction page with a map showing all the places where there will be some closure dates Okay. And also the conditions of, you know, 30 minute delays on the rest of the days. There's also uh, people are so interested in when we can open uh, all the way up to the top at Logan Pass. Uh, you could go to that site and look and see like a dot on the map moving up the road. Uh, find out where the plows are at right now okay. and how far we've we've gone. OK, and we'll also put that link in the episode notes as well. So excellent for folks to find it. So. Dave, as we kind of come around the bend here to finish up our conversation, any last words or thoughts you'd like to share with folks about the park and what's going on? Well, um, you know, the, these construction projects um, from the Great American Outdoors Act uh, and other fun sources, I, I'll be really glad to see them in my rearview mirror, as I know the public will. Sure. But um, it'll it'll be great to to finish uh, going to the Sun Road and to have a, a new surface on all of that. One of the objectives of the project that we're doing there this year is not only to improve the road surface, but actually to to lower it some. It's been built up over the years um, so that the uh, pullouts are safer to access and actually use. We've gotten higher than the pullouts are, so uh, we'll be changing that. I'm hoping it's going to be a great summer at Glacier. It's certainly a tremendous, wonderful park. 
Um, the park concessions are, have been selling uh, tickets for horse rides, boat rides, uh, chalets, lodging. There's so much to do here at this park, which, you know, it's more than a million acres. On the, the resource side of things, uh, what we're really interested in is in working with our tribal partners, working with the Blackfeet Nation, working with the Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribes, um, so that tribal voices are heard in the park in the Native America Speaks program. Uh, just a, a great way to, to honor the original stewards of Glacier through attending one of the programs that they put on. And uh, that's one of the things I see for Glacier in the future is just doing a lot more meaningful tribal engagement and having the tribal presence in the park be uh, stronger and more vital to the park experience. Okay. Well, Dave, I really want to thank you for your time today. I know you got a lot on your plate, so appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and kind of hear what's happening at Glacier National Park. And uh, thanks to all our listeners as well for listening to this episode of Venture Boldly, the podcast of the Discover Kalispell Chamber. We'd love to hear your thoughts about today's topic and about the podcast in general. You can listen at kalispellchamber.com forward slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can reach us via the contact page at kalispellchamber.com or via Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kalispell Chamber. As we mentioned, we'll put some of those links to the information about the park in the episode notes. Next time on Venture Boldly, I'll be talking with the Chamber's own Jennifer Cronk about Lemonade Day, which, by the way, is coming up on June 24th, so be sure to mark your calendar for that as well. I'm your host, Drew Zagorski. He's Dave Romer, Superintendent of Glacier National Park. Venture Boldly, friends! Appearance on the Venture Boldly Podcast does not constitute an endorsement of goods or services. The Venture Boldly Podcast is a production of the Discover Kalispell Chamber and is produced by the Chamber in partnership with Left Brain, Right Brain Marketing. You can find the Discover Kalispell Chamber at kalispellchamber.com and Left Brain, Right Brain Marketing at lbrbm.com.